Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. I'm doing this one on my cell phone from a hotel room on the road. Let me know how it sounds. Probably better than some of those old podcasting mics we used back in the day. I was just uh, in a casino recently on a vacation and watching from a cafe, I was like watching people play slots, you know, and I was just trying to figure out like, what's the motivation to like melt your money into this like not that great video game. And meanwhile, I'm looking at Slack. We're having an all time sales month at DJ, watching the sales come in, watching the clients come in. And I'm like, I'm playing a game too, but I like the game we're playing at the Tropical NBA a little bit better. Let's build assets that can grow without us pulling down that slot lever. That's what we're going to talk about today. And to do so, one of our favorite all-time guests is back on the show. We last caught up with him in 2018, and he's agreed to play one of our favorite games, Donate a Business Idea. So if you're up for some business ideas, we've got a few for you today. He's also going to be sharing from stage at our DC event in Playa del Carmen in a few weeks. As always, excited to meet up with many of you in Mexico. So today's guest is Spy Guys Alan Walton, someone who's always incredibly open and upfront about the highs and lows of running an e-commerce company and just doing business in general. And so we started our conversation with the challenges and recently they've included a staff meltdown at an incredibly difficult time. Well, one guy just straight up ghosted me. We worked together for 10 years at three different businesses. And he just disappeared one day last June. And I haven't heard back from him since. Do you think he's alive? I think he's alive, but his <laughs> internet presence is totally gone. He just disappeared one day. I kind of understand why he did. He had a lot of personal stuff going on, but it still kind of left me in a lurch, I guess. And about a week after that, another team member ended up getting a better job somewhere else, which I was rooting for him to do that. So that was totally fine. But it was unexpected and it came at a pretty weak moment. I had also just been in a car accident and was recovering from that. And so to have half my team leave, go into physical therapy three times a week, couldn't really walk and just some other stuff that was going on. It was a really difficult time. Alan, I think if I were to attempt to frame up your personal brand in our community, it would be as someone who's forthright, very helpful to others, someone who really wants to like help everybody, the entrepreneurial community grow in general. But more broadly speaking, your brand is sort of as like the prototypical four-hour workweek case study. Tim Ferriss is like one of his leading case studies. How did you get that reputation? And what do you think of it? I guess part of it came from the fact that I was a case study on his podcast in late 2018. And it's kind of funny too, because I'm more four-hour workweek now than I was back when I was on his podcast. So we're fully remote now. He previously had an office. We had a call center, American staff. And over the last year, I've totally changed that business. I guess it's because I run an online business and I bootstrapped it. Why do you think? I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) I think part of it was that you were vocal about the inspiration that you drew from the book. Yeah, that book changed my life. I guess I read it around 2000. 12, 
2013. I can't really recall, but it really hit home with me and a bunch of other people that are in the community in the DC. And it just opened me up to a world that I had never really known existed. Back then, I never thought I was going to leave the United States. Like, I didn't think I had a reason to. And then after reading about <laughs> the travels that he had, learning about the folks in the Dynamite Circle who were just roaming the earth, <laughs> kind of underground. Like, you guys were a little bit hard to find back then. But once I found out about it, it just blew my mind. One of the themes on the show is like, which ideas are made legible to the internet and which are secrets. You know, if you Google about the Dynamite Circle, it's like one dude on Cora. Like, is this <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> And like, I saw that. Meanwhile, there's like a hundred of us flying to Mexico, some of us with families in tow to like hang out for a week in just a few weeks here. It's kind of interesting that imbalance of information. Like no one's bothered to like write an essay about that on the internet. I, I think there are a few people that have. <laughs> I think Cal Newport has an article online. Yeah, but. that was really cool when he did that. You're actually going to be speaking. I got an email um, what motivates you? You're a family man, live in Dallas. Why fly down to Mexico? What I'm curious just to get your sense for why you come to events like this still. The first thing that jumps out in my mind was I remember Taylor Pearson being on the podcast like years ago, maybe when I first found out about y'all, like 2015, 2016, and hearing him talk about the event. And he said a particular phrase, get on the plane, start making friends and people that you can communicate with. And I find that getting on the plane and going to these events, it doesn't really matter to me where they are. So I've, I've done the Asia thing to be with y'all, going to Europe, Mexico. It's just like a two-hour flight. It's no big deal. And I do have a wife and kids. But it's a few days where I can get away, get to the beach, right? Go to a different country, break out of the routine, and meet with you guys are my tribe. So I love... A lot of us have the same overall vibe and interest and outlook on life. And I don't really get that here. I'm in North Dallas. It's just a totally different vibe. But actually getting FaceTime with you guys is really meaningful to me. Yeah, likewise. It's interesting, too, when we do it abroad. There was a difference between the Austin events and the Mexico and Bangkok events or even the European ones where you're all kind of like in this third space together, this like netherworld. Like I did notice when we used to host events in Austin, like larger ones, people were much more on rails and much more sort of like in and out in their own schedule. Whereas like when we have events in Mexico, it's like we're all here for three days together minimum. It does for me contribute to like kind of different thinking. I like that element to it. So I'm looking forward to it. Right. And, you know, the official event, it's like the fifth through the seventh, but I'm going to be flying in on the second. I really need a vacation. So I'm going <laughs> to have a day for vacation. And then I'm going to have a day where I just really think about, you know, my business. And then this side business that I have that I want to be working on more. What is it? What's the side business? The side business is called Fly Guy. Oh, man. It's a dating service. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's actually funny because when I tried buying spyguy.com, they said it would be a great domain for a dating service. And I'm like, that sounds really weird. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, Fly Guy. So helping people book really awesome vacations using their credit card points that they get from running the business. I'd like to become a client on today's show, if possible, at the end of the show. Ian and I are flying to Barcelona in July, and there's five of us going. We have all these points, and it's just so hard to book these tickets. There's such a knowledge base that I feel like moves around all the time. Is it a difficult business for reasons that are non-obvious? It can be. There are a number of services like this already. 
which didn't deter me in any way from starting this. I saw an opportunity to, first of all, I'm just very interested in the space. Like we talked about a minute ago, I never thought I'd leave the US. But once I started learning about this game that you can play, the credit card points that you're just getting from paying your Google ad spend, your Facebook spend, your shipping fees, those points add up really quickly. And you can fly like business class, first class. And I never thought that opportunity would be available. And so it is difficult because rules are always changing. New airline routes that are opening up, new program changes. So like these airlines all have their loyalty programs and they decide to tweak them and make things more difficult. Or they have these opportunities where you can transfer your points from like, say, Amex to British Airways and they'll give you a 40% bonus. And so that's a way of racking up even more points. There's all sorts of weird things that change and you have to stay on top of. And then you're also serving a client that can be difficult learning. I've never run a service business before. And so I started this thing and I'm learning about these new service-based problems. What are some of them? The main problem that I have right now is getting clients to actually respond in time. So we have a form that they fill out and it says, all right, well, tell me about this trip. How many people are going? Do you want to fly business economy? What cities, what dates, how flexible are you? Let me know how many points you have so I know what we have to work with. And they'll fill out these forms. We'll get to work. And then we just don't hear back for like a week, maybe two weeks. And by then, what we found for them is already gone. So this stuff can change hourly even. There have been times where I find something like a really amazing flight. And I notify the client. And then you know, six hours later, we try to book it and it's already gone. I love the way... This is going. I'm going to ask a question I maybe know the answer to. Why don't you just book it for them? There are a couple of reasons we don't book it for them, like right off the bat. The first one is that a lot of times they don't actually know what they want. (laughs) So they don't give us enough detail up front. So we had a client recently that's going from Australia to the East Coast of the US. They could fly into any airport that's on the East Coast. And we found something for them. That was just a really amazing deal. First class on ANA from Sydney to Tokyo to JFK. And we find this amazing redemption. And they get back to us and they say, oh, yeah, I can't do a 10-hour layover. And In uh, first class? Yeah, they can't do a 10-hour layover in first class. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And so they're willing to pay way more, like twice the price so that they only have a three-hour layover in Singapore or whatever. That's interesting. And so it's way more expensive, but they're willing to shell out those points so that they don't have to sit in a lounge for another seven hours or whatever. Or we send them a flight and they're like, oh, you know what? These hours don't work for me. Or they say, oh, actually, I don't want to use my Chase points after all. I'd rather use my Amex points. It could be a little bit frustrating. And so we're trying to, to navigate, like, how can we best serve these clients without being too needy upon them and reduce the amount of communication. There's a lot of email back and forth. Also, I'm not sure how to effectively save like usernames and passwords for all these different loyalty programs that customers are involved in. Why start Fly Guy? When we met just a few weeks ago, we were you know, looking at Spy Guy as a business and just marveling at how much upside there is for you there that we're just getting started at Spy Guy sort of thing. Yeah. Why start another one? Well, Flag Guy actually started a couple months before COVID hit. (laughs) And then it was pretty much dead after that. And we didn't even take on any new clients for the rest of that year, 2020. And then 
summer 2021 kind of rolls around and a lot of our clients wanted to like they got back in touch and they wanted to start traveling like greece was one of the first places to open up i'm pretty sure and so we did a ton of bookings that summer and a lot of the fly guy clients that had initially signed up before covid they started telling their friends about it and that's something that doesn't really happen at spy guy clients of spy guy aren't really telling people (laughs) that they're buying like hidden cameras from us or whatever. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was really interesting to see that we had these fly guy clients and we booked them these flights and they had these awesome trips and they were telling our, their friends about us. We didn't even have a website live. It was just a word of mouth thing. So I just found that very interesting that I wasn't having to spend a ton of money on marketing to get new clients. And I got a lot of joy out of it as well. Like it was very fun to meet these entrepreneurs who are doing these really cool things. Most Spy Guy customers we never hear back from. They like don't want us to even email them. They're like, order. So they send you a photo of them like sleeping in the first class bed. Yeah, exactly. Like Nathan Barry from ConvertKit, he was like one of the first guys to sign up, and he sent me a photo of first class Lufthansa <laughs> with like champagne. <laughs> I'm like, this is great, and he's like sent a bunch of people our way. It's really cool. That's really cool. You also have that kind of pure joy of just seeming to like. You, I know you used to be a gamer. And I know a lot of like that same like joy and passion. You've kind of just like found a new game here with the businesses. Yeah. I mean, it's solving problems. Solving problems is fun. And that's what a video game is. You solve a ton of problems. And I was able to just pivot that into solving business problems or solving problems for other people. That said, Fly Guy is still a mostly solo operation. I have somebody that's kind of helping me on the side. But it does take up a lot of time. It's fun to learn the basics, like solving these early problems so that then I can bring somebody else on board to just scale it, I guess you could say, because I don't want to be a one-man band doing this. And every moment that I'm spending on Fly Guy, a moment that I'm taking away from something else, either my family or Spy Guy, which after several years of being stagnant, has really seen a lot of opportunity in the last year or so. And yeah, I think about that a lot. I was just chatting with Ben Hebert from Natural Sacks. He just moved here to Dallas and we got lunch last week. He's like, yo, dude, why are you doing this Spy Guy thing? Sounds like Spy Guy's going great. Why are you doing this? Because it's diverting your attention. And I don't know. He just asked me a bunch of questions. I was really thinking about it because if I wanted to, I probably could drop the Fly Guy thing. I probably could just refund the customers and just focus on Spy Guy, which is way more of a money money making opportunity. At least it is right now. So I don't know. Ben's comments about focusing on Spy Guy I have been hanging out with Eamon a lot, seeking out his advice. He was on the show just recently here. And one of the things he's saying is that there's a trend of entrepreneurs not really pushing through the the low to mid seven figures. And the reason is they can't make the transition from player to coach. But he also saw it in the app Sumo clientele, which I thought was interesting. Like, you know, they're running a deal every week and they're like pumping revenue into these new startup companies. And then a couple of years later, they reach back out to do another deal and they sort of see where they're at. And his kind of point was, is like these companies were very separated by the leadership. I sort of take this as a personal indictment of my skill set. And the way I've been responding, at least in the short term, is to like be a little bit more introspective and like dig around and see if there's areas for improvement. And if I could be the person that helps to bridge the gap to growth. And I'm wondering if you see that on your desk but you've been such a good player over the years that it might prevent you from inhabiting some of the coach skill sets. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's almost eight years since I started Spy Guy. 
I hired my first employee for customer service a year after that. And then I hired a few more people. And those people mostly did customer service stuff, customer service and shipping. Everything else was mostly me. I was in charge of anything financial, of course, marketing, hiring agencies, product selection. I was just doing it all. It was like a one-man band with customer service. And once we kind of had this exodus last summer, a bunch of people left. I was pretty much unable to walk from my car accident. I was hobbling around. And I have two kids now. I have two kids and a wife. And there's a lot of stuff going on. It's been hard. I realized that I was just really tired of doing it myself. And I knew years ago that I had to bring on people and build a team that could really grow Spy Guy without me. Because the last several years, it's been up to me and hadn't really grown at all up until the point where I rebuilt the team last year. And so I think that's a major failing on my part because I knew I'd have to build a team and I knew I'd have to find people to help me scale this thing. I wasn't just going to do it on my own, but I was pretty content with the business, I guess. I, I like doing work, but at the same time, I just had way too many projects open. I should have brought somebody on board sooner to offload this stuff too. We've left a lot of money on the table by not doing that. And so this last year, I've posted, I think I posted like three jobs to Dynamite Jobs now. And each time, get hundreds of applicants, really awesome people. I wish I could hire all of them. And the ones that I have hired, or at least hired, just started earlier this week. And she's already awesome. I'm like so excited. It's so much fun to just sit and talk with her, tell her what's going on in the company. And the previous hires that we've made have ended up being just great. And so we've built this team out, saving a, a lot of money now. <laughs> U.S. payroll is actually pretty expensive. Uh, <laughs> and so we've gone offshore and that's been super helpful because it frees up a bunch of cash that I can use to pump back into the business and actually grow. Because I don't want to be that low to mid seven-figure business anymore. I'd love to get up to eight figures and either keep that as a cash flow machine or sell it or something like that. Yeah. And traditionally, and this is changing slightly, but an eight-figure business isn't just some random, call it scorecard benchmark, but Actually, businesses that get to that scale are worth a lot more in terms of, yes. of multiples. They're a lot easier to sell. And so there is like a practical kind of like in the scope of your life reason to at least invest some of your energy in reflecting upon like keeping the lifestyle business going or putting your efforts towards a potential exit that like would shelve financial questions for a lifetime. Totally. I've been thinking about that a lot ever, maybe over the last six months in particular, because I just kind of wandered around aimlessly for years. There was a period there, like I just wasn't interested in my business at all. And I was totally cool with it just being stagnant. So it was making money, it was fueling my lifestyle. It didn't grow. I wasn't really super interested in it. I was more interested in hanging out with people and like learning new things <laughs> and getting into crypto. I don't even know. But getting that, securing that bag, right? Selling the business, freeing up that time, having that, what's the phrase we use? Generational wealth. I don't know. I think something like that would be really amazing. And then I could focus my time on things that I'm more interested in. I've been in this industry since 2009. And I feel like I've overstayed my welcome. Like, I really want to move on to something else. And I kind of see Fly Guy as an opportunity or helping other e-commerce store operators with what I've learned. I really don't know what it is. But I feel like I've just lingered on here too long. Plus, I don't want my kids asking me about spy stuff when, as they get older. <laughs> it's just a weird niche. <laughs> the Andrew Chen, I've heard him call it landing the plane. This kind of idea that there's 
so long as you're in the air, there's risk. And like, if you were to do your net worth calculation, such a huge percentage of it is tied up in that primary business. And it is. But you don't want to exiting a business like Spy Guy for three times profit. I mean, is a very disappointing outcome. I think that's essentially one of the punchlines of, of our experience, one of the conclusions. I've heard that from you. I've heard that from the, you had the financial samurai guy on a few weeks yeah. ago and he basically said the same thing. Yep. I do think that e-commerce businesses are trading at higher multiples now, which makes it more interesting. And that's what I'm hearing from people. Yeah. But Spy Guy is a hard business to run. I mean, a lot of e-commerce businesses are. We've been facing supply chain problems, this chip shortage. Our costs have just really gone up. We started manufacturing our own product, like a couple of our own products. And you know, since we started making those, the costs have gone up 50%. Makes things really hard. And a lot of times I think about Tony Shea. So in his book, Delivering Happiness, he talks about poker playing and how you could sit at a table and you might just keep losing, losing, losing just against the people that you're playing with. One of the best things you might do is just get up and move over to another table. You might find out that you're, you play way better there. That might be the case for me. I really don't know, but I'm interested in getting up and moving on to something else. I just want to give a big thanks to all of you who listened to ads like this and went on over to dynamitejobs.com to see what we've got going on over there. Because of that, We've helped place hundreds of qualified remote professionals in your companies last year. And for this holiday season, many of you are gearing up your operation for continued growth in 2022. And to help you do it, we've got three exciting options for you to explore. The first is our entirely new hiring platform with a job post dashboard that allows you to repost and promote anytime. We've got a growing list of features there, including intelligent promotion options to help you get the maximum amount of applications. We've also got our done-for-you service. If you're sick of sorting, assessing, and interviewing, you can hire our senior recruiting staff to do the heavy lifting on your behalf. They are experienced at identifying trajectory, alignment, salary fit, and much more. And the best part is it's a flat fee. If you're hiring multiple times in 2022, we're offering bundles with steep discounts. Head on over to dynamitejobs.com and book a call to hear about that. And finally, we offer contract recruiting. That's right, a zero-risk hiring option if you don't really know about the long-term fit or if you're looking for a partner to help take care of the legalities of hiring contractors. We can do that for a monthly fee for the contractors that you bring on board. So let's grow together. If you're looking to grow your remote business, book a call with our team and find out today how Dynamite Jobs can help. You can find out about this and much more over at dynamitejobs.com slash remote recruiting. One of the things I, I thought would be really interesting for us to do is uh, you posted on Twitter before you came here about yeah. business ideas. And often our most popular episodes are when we donate business ideas. And I wrote down a bunch after going through your Twitter thread. Oh, cool. Are you, are you ready to play a little game of business idea donations? Sure. You want to kick us off? Yeah. And I've, I've been trying to think about like, what would I pivot into? And I'm not entirely sure. I would probably want to just be assuming that I could keep the knowledge that I have now about like e-commerce and marketing and all of this stuff. I think fractional marketer is just a really awesome opportunity. And I, I'm kind of stealing that from Jesse Hanley because I posted on Twitter. I was like, hey, who's got job ideas? And Jesse from Bento, he said fractional marketer. And I totally agree. I think it's an amazing opportunity because there are a lot of different marketing channels out there. And if you could be one of the 
one of the people that understands how each of them works, Facebook ads, TikTok, Google ads, email marketing, being able to log into Google Analytics and have a good understanding of what's going on, how all this data that you're accumulating from the marketing that you're doing. I think that uh, there's a real opportunity there, especially if you can understand the brand well. A lot of these marketing agencies, they don't spend a lot of time understanding the brand, the customer, the product market fit. I was talking with a friend of mine who they do supplements and they just hop from agency to agency because they can design these pretty emails and they can send them out to you know a segment of their email audience, but they don't really understand the product. They don't understand why the customer is buying the product from this particular totally. company or why they're buying it from this company, not this other one. And so by having a deeper understanding of the brands, their client, the market, you could do a really awesome job. I uh, love this idea. So on my list, I put, Alan, fractional anything. Fractional anything, for yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's like happening right now. It's a really hot moment. If you're an agency owner, cool. But getting more niche, getting more specific, getting more sophisticated is like the trend. So for as an example, we have Dynamite Jobs only recently launched a TikTok channel. We have over 33,000 likes and 6,200 followers in like just a few weeks. And we have videos that have, have over like uh, tens of thousands of views. Incredible. And think about like what this would be as like just an individual bootstrapping digital nomad. Like you can pretty much make a full time living in like a few hours of work a week. You join the Slack channels of the companies and you have like a little survey. So everybody in the company can like give you ideas and like things that they're thinking about doing. And that can feed your content. Like, or whatever your process is for as a creative, I think that's kind of cool is you can maintain your creative integrity while doing this agency work. Now you wake up in the morning and you create four TikToks for your four different brands and you do that like every other day. And then you have plenty of time for your own personal brand or traveling or being a digital nomad or whatever it is you want to be. So I think, yeah, fractional anything is a really big opportunity right now. And I am a customer, so I understand how it works. Yeah, and I've, I've had many Dynamite Jobs applicants. So people that are applying for the jobs that I've listed on there. And they say that they found out about my job on TikTok. <laughs> Dude, we are doing guerrilla war campaigns to find high quality people in 2022. We're not just relying on the boring stuff anymore. Yeah. And to just reinforce that TikTok thing, I totally agree. So I installed TikTok because everyone was telling me that Spy Guy would do well on there. And after about five minutes, I'd had enough of what TikTok was showing me. My brain was just like leaking out of my ear at that point. <laughs> I just could not handle it. And then... You don't like it. You don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it. I got other stuff that needs to be done. A lot of it's like try hard. Like I watch these videos that people make. And I'm like, how many times did it take them to film this? I don't know. It just bugs me. And I think Spy Guy could do really well on TikTok. And so one of the things that I want to do was post a job opportunity on Dynamite Jobs and find a creator. Because what I was trying to find out there, like you can partner with creators, people who already have That's followings right. and all this other stuff. I don't really want that. I want somebody to kind of like be Build a face asset. for Spy Guy. Yeah, exactly. I can ship them over a box of product. We have dozens of products. I'm happy to ship something out to them, show them how this stuff works. If they could just make these TikTok videos for me, that'd be awesome. Because I sure don't want to do it. I got stuff going on. I'll say one related one. I was going to come on here and complain about the state of business coaching, but I also think that makes it a really big opportunity right now. I think the reality is 
most business coaches smell a little off. And that's for good reason. Typically, the red flags, if someone's face shows up a little bit too much on all of their websites and their marketing (laughs) materials, if people are overconfident for long periods of time about things, these red flags tend to come out in the wash on the back end. There's some certain insidious practices and reasons for those insidious practices in the business coaching industry. The biggest one that I've like really become awoken to in the past five years is you know the lack of aligned incentives, in particular, the grifts of getting a bug in people's head and then getting them to the high ticket price point. And the real reason for a lot of this, Alan, is that the lifestyle expenses of most coaches are so low because they're being supported by family money, uh, a low income country or uh, spouse money or something like that, that they can get like one or two clients and basically like live a quarter or a half of the year on it. And then they can like continue their grift on social media. And so that's one problem. And then you have people that like position themselves as higher end coaches and advisors. And what they're actually trying to do is like a different kind of grift. They're trying to get like an equity share or a revenue share typically, but they're not bringing a lot of capital to the table. And the reality is equity in return for advice doesn't really work out unless you're talking at the scale of like 1% for a startup. And if you can convince me that it works in your case, then I'd like to see it. But I've seen it over a decade now and it's starting to frustrate me that it it always, it typically ends really badly. And so I think this is a lot of like naive interventionalism in our community specifically, like in the eight figure and sub category, we're trying to duplicate what we've seen in magazines and Silicon Valley and stuff, but we don't really understand Mm -hmm. those mechanics. So what are the opportunities? I think the opportunity is for someone to have a lot of clarity of vision around what they offer as a coach. They could, instead of glorifying themselves, they could glorify the system that they help you implement. So you could see Gino Wickham's crew had a lot of success with implementing traction in people's businesses, which let's face it, it's really just an arbitrary set of management best principles that in some cases work, in some cases don't. But the reality is a lot of us feel lost as business owners and we need arbitrary markers, goals, frameworks to be productive and to take those next steps forward. But those are precisely the things that coaches take advantage of. So part of the way you can solve this problem and get rid of the grift is come in with very clear pricing that has an end date. And yeah, you can have a partner network on the back end of like strong accountants or lawyers or people that you can equip with, but there's not this indefinite time period. You have specific pricing for on-sites with groups where you implement systems. You could even just beg, borrow, and steal known, accepted, best practices systems. I think this kind of thing would really be a breath of fresh air and a big hit amongst entrepreneurs who want frameworks, they want guidance, they want things like on-sites with the team where we implement stronger systems and processes and goals in the business, but they're getting tired and frustrated with the grift, bullshit, yeah. with the personal aggrandization. The reality is if you were, part of the reason I think Traction has been so successful is if you're selling theories based on like a quasi-success that you've had five years ago, those theories are stale and people are sick of them and the people have to oversell them. And then I just do, I think there's an opportunity for someone to come in with like a stronger framework that's more transparent, that has clear pricing with an end date on it. And I got to say, mea culpa, man, I am personally responsible for a lot of this because it's podcasts like these and communities like ours that they build up people that create a personal mythology. And then those people use that sway to 
get involved in these grifts sometimes. Business coaching for people that don't like business coaching is sort of the idea. That's sort of like the DC conferences is a conference for people who don't like conferences. There's right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry man that turned into a big old no, rant <laughs> i absolutely agree i mean it's very frustrating logging into like if you're opening up youtube or instagram or just something and you're seeing all these gurus on there talking about how they're gonna teach you these things but you know it's just some kid <laughs> it's some kid <laughs> and he's on a beach somewhere like using his parents uh wallet to fund his initial startup stuff i guess i mean at least that's certainly the vibe that i get from it but it's very frustrating to see that, especially as somebody who's like, like, I've worked really hard to get to where I am now. I feel like I would have a lot to offer somebody else if I were to get into business coaching because I've learned a lot of wrong ways to do stuff. I have some experience and I try to keep an open mind about all the ways it could be wrong about things. And I think that's useful. But the people that are out there these days and they're trying to do these big ticket coaching or not even big ticket, just the small ticket stuff. It's very frustrating for me to see that. The issue with coaches is like, if this knowledge is really that valuable, then why aren't you applying it to exactly. make money in your yeah. case? And, and I think that's a really great question for coaches. And if their answer smacks of someone who's encountering an objection rather than being transparent and honest about their financial situation, what's actually happening in their lives, et cetera. Here's another one, Alan. Let me hit you with this. I think there's room for a content marketing agency, a more traditional one. Forgets about SEO, forgets about all this, just writes about features every week. So here's the pitch. You hire my content marketing agency. We become like a pro user of your service or your business. And we write about one amazing feature or product in your business every single week. So it's essentially like vanity blog posts for a thousand bucks a week. And I think a lot of businesses really struggle with results and, you know, uh, Tommy Joyner came on here a few years ago and talked about contentpros.io. They just wrote blog posts for businesses that really felt they needed blog posts. Like it wasn't really about the results. Like we want to get this blog cooking. We want something up every week. This doesn't have to be about blog posts. It could be any content dimension that your target market really cares about. It could be forum posts. It could be TikTok videos. It could be YouTube videos. But I do think that companies would be willing to pay for non-results focus. They just want the deliverable. They want content about their business, about their product, or about their community. And I think people would be willing to pay for a content marketing agency who can really deliver on that promise. I think that's a great idea. So basically like a, a company's hype man. So if I were going to start just completely fresh, like I'm thinking, you know, 20-year-olds me. Right. Okay. What would I tell somebody who's like out of high school, college, they are finding out about TNBA for the first time, or they just picked up for our work week or something like that. I really, truly believe that being an automation builder, or I don't even know what the right word is. Like, I'm trying not to use the word ninja or expert. Like or Zapier like King kind of thing? Zapier King. So it was Integromat. Now it's make.com. I think there are, there's a couple of other ones out there. Notion Ninja. Notion Ninja. Airtable. <laughs> Uh, Airtable, Airtable, Acrobat. Airtable, Acrobat. I love that one in particular. You kind of attach yourself to like a workflow universe and you become an absolute beast for companies there. Yeah. If you can piece together the software, the apps that these online businesses, or it doesn't even have to be online. There are a lot of offline businesses, just local businesses that you can reach out to and string their systems together. Like we went big on Zapier last summer when we started rolling out our own GPS platform. 
you and I have talked about this. We started, we kind of revamped our customer service and our Klaviyo integration with other aspects of, you know, our Shopify site. And a lot of this stuff wasn't talking with each other. We strung that together with Zapier and it, and I'm using it for FlyGuy right now. It's just been awesome. It, it's actually taken probably $50,000 off of what I was doing on with payroll last year. And for what, like 200 bucks a month and zaps, something like that. I think that there are a lot of businesses that can save a lot of money, provide better service, better experience for their customers, just by having somebody come in and automate these systems where right now a lot of people are just manually copying and pasting things over like once a week or once a day or every couple of hours. Like you can just remove a lot of manual labor by stringing these systems together and going deep on the Airtable, on Zapier, on and figuring out how to connect all this data. I love that idea. People like me or you, Alan, our compatriots, people that are running seven, eight-figure businesses, we are not experts at this stuff. We are, in many cases, nowhere near at the level of some of these larger, more professional organizations. We don't work as hard. We get less focused. We have side projects. We made enough money already. And I want to impress upon the listenership right now. But that's an opportunity for a group of people who are willing to execute every week. And in our community, in eight-figure and below businesses, I see businesses that are very bad at executing, that commonly don't deliver work on time, that don't have a high level of professionalization in their communications, that change their offerings all the time so they're not consistent. You don't know what you're getting from them, that pivot too often so you can't come back and reorder. There's all these like really basic problems in a business like content agency that if you come in and you're the one who is the executor and this is another one of Eamon's points he's been pressing upon me Mm -hmm. is that great execution beats great ideas and while that is not always true I do think it can be very true in the case of your business and so I do think when you think about ideas that might seem overly basic part of the reason that you and I talk about these basic problems that we have in our business is that We don't have partners who solve them well. And I think that's an opportunity for listeners. Yeah, I really agree. I'm thinking about, you said, your competitors that are out there, they're really not doing all that. They're not focused, I guess is what you said. Like Spy Guy was that for a long time where I was just coasting. I was just really tuned out of the business. Somebody could have easily come in there, (laughs) started up a competing (laughs) business and just really wrecked me. I'm glad it didn't happen. (laughs) And I mean, it's not like I'm hiding either. I was on Ferris's podcast and it was exposed to like a ton of people. And then about a week after that, I had my first kid. And then I was sleep deprived. Business was on autopilot. And I just exposed like my entire niche that was kind of (laughs) underground. And I was like, man, somebody could come in here and just smoke me. Nobody did at all. And I'm grateful for it. And now that I'm focused and I'm like, okay, I have somewhere I need to be here with Spy Guy. I need to start executing on these things. I've got a million open projects that I need to wrap up and I need to bring a team on board to like actually do it. I just kind of like had this thought, you know, it was like Friday night and I was thinking about how much work we had put into these businesses. But then I was also thinking about like everybody else in the world and like they're playing Nintendo or they're like going out to the bar or they're doing this or they're doing that. Like the reality is the difficulty of putting the right piece of spy equipment in the right person's hand at the right time. The difficulty is very, very difficult. 
but not as difficult as some other things you've done in your life, you know? Right. It's like that weird mix of like difficult and boring and like a lot of investment to get there. You're and low margins and all yeah, sorts of things. You're sitting around there on a Friday night reflecting. You're saying, this is the reason that there's only two other people in the world who are in any position to solve this problem right now. And I was thinking about that with uh, hiring technical developers for location independent companies with this kind of budget. And I'm like, I'm the only one in the world reflecting on this problem right now because there's three other people solving it. And like, here's what they're doing right now. And cool. It was just that idea that this stuff is hard, but it's not that hard if you stay focused. And that's the key. It's just staying interested. Yeah, staying interested. The best entrepreneurs find interesting, find ways to stay interested in their business. Or, you know, replace themselves with people who are equally interested and talented. Do you have any other ideas? This is kind of specialized, but if somebody wants to come up with an award wallet replacement, I would love that. <laughs> so award wallet is essentially, you can log in and you can see your points balances across all the different airline programs, hotel programs, credit card programs. Like I'm personally using just a Google Sheet and I'm going in like maybe once a month and collecting balances that I have across these different accounts. Award Wallet's been around for like a decade or something like that. And I tried getting our Fly Guy clients to use it and they just don't like it. It's really ugly. It's slow. It looks antiquated. Over the winter, I was trying to log into one of our... I was trying to log into somebody's account and they had like a snowfall background that you might see on like a GeoCities website like 20 (laughs) years ago. It was like acting like it was like a gif of snow falling in the header. And I'm like, what is this? So just coming up with something that was slick and pretty and it could actually fetch those balances and it was fast and you could do it from your phone. That's like a highly specialized thing. But if you've got the technical know-how, I could think of I don't know how many subscribers or all it has, but they've been mentioned like in the New York Times and a lot of different places. So it's basic idea of like the hated incumbent or whatever. I would love to see them not take down a peg by like a scrappy startup. I think that would be really cool. What do we got here? Catherine from Best Sell says home automation wizard. Somebody comes over and sets up everything in your house, work with Alexa and give you a complete smart home. Oh. I mean, I would have loved that. By the way, Catherine, I'm- come on this show. If you're listening to this, come on the show. I, I know she's busy right now, but when you got a moment, when you got an hour, Catherine, we need to hear from you. <laughs> she's great. Uh, she's about to have a kid too. To expand upon that though, I've been thinking, I bought a home a couple of years ago and I keep thinking and every now and then I'll do a job listing on Craigslist because I don't know who else to go to around here. I want Cat5 to run throughout my house. I already know which security cameras I want. I've already bought them. I don't need somebody to sell me cameras. I would love if somebody would come and set up these cameras. But whenever I do these job listings, I get a bunch of you know people who sound interested and then they just like drop off. They don't yeah. respond. They ask me questions that I don't necessarily have an answer to. They want me to move over to cell phone and then I message from my cell phone and they just like don't respond. People, they're flaky. It's just bizarre because I would love to have all this stuff set up so that I can have you know, my doorbell and Amazon Alexa and then my security cameras and whatever else. That would be really cool. Here's one that's like a little bit less simple, but, you know, in other words, you might not charge money right away. Or I do think you should start with an offer right away. Put it that way. So what what I'm calling this is niche until it hurts, a somewhat controversial concept here at TMBA. So we're talking about increased specialization, consultive podcasts. So, you know, typically what happens is you got shows that get popular, they get bloated, they get broad, just like the tropical MBA. There's an opportunity to find a, a specialization, a subgenre 
and create guides that really help people move along. And you'd be surprised in like some of the biggest niches in the world, there's just like a lot of general content that's not really driving people towards a specific outcome. You know, one specific would be, you know, token investing for boomers, for people that aren't crypto heads, but want to invest in crypto. Actually, how do I do it? Like, I'm sick of hearing about why I should do it, or I want like a toolbox, a guidebook, put an offer at the top. Let's have retreats. Let's have consultative phone calls. Let's have a paid newsletter, whatever. I think that there's an opportunity to launch a pod that's like, here's the, you know, the first 10 episodes of the toolbox on how to set up your MetaMask wallet. We're going to walk boomers through how to get involved in, you know, investing some of our wealth into tokens. Even like there's only one good instructional golf podcast. I know that sounds crazy, but even things like that, like, you know, these guys are willing to pay thousands of dollars to go on golf trips, but there's nothing that's really like, hey, do you want to get down to scratch, fly to Florida, pay $3,500 and like be there for five days and we do that like once a quarter or you do, I, I do think that there's this opportunities for like really niche instructional content. If you're an expert, if that idea resonates with you, I would encourage you, like there's still plenty of opportunity in some of the biggest niches out there. Yeah, I love that idea. And you brought that up on the podcast before, I think, like token investing for boomers. So what you just said gives me an idea for something that I've been, uh, that I would absolutely love. I want somebody to keep up with the e-commerce beat. And so there's so many different aspects Mm, of e-commerce. You have shipping, you have the key apps. So you've got Shopify, you've got what? ShipStation, you've got, what's the app that people use for repeating purchases? Re... Ooh, I can't think of it right now. But we have all these apps. We have all these different aspects, operational aspects of the business. And there's nobody that's really covering just what's going on in e-commerce for e-commerce operators. It's the only stuff that's out there is like modern retail. And then they have like a D2C newsletter that comes out once a week that covers e-commerce brands. But they're like 100 times larger than me. And they're opening up retail stores around the country, like Away Luggage or... Tacovas or whatever. And those are all great e-commerce success stories, but like there's nothing for just the e-commerce operator that's doing six figures, seven figures, telling us what new features there are with um, these apps that are rolling out or doing app reviews it. or covering a profitable beat. I love it. We got basically the things that are most profitable, like the journalists aren't covering at all. And so you yeah. can instantly make advertising sponsor revenue, like the first week you could launch with revenue on a project like that. I love that idea. Very cool. Parting shots. So I've actually been fighting a lot of like, uh, I don't want to call it like burnout. Um, I have a lot of imposter syndrome uh, personally. And after being on Tim Ferriss's podcast, I just kind of shut up for a while. Like I really just kind of quieted down on Twitter. I kind of got exposed to like a big audience. Got a lot of like, Twitter followers and people that like signed up, I threw up like a shitty little landing page so that I could start like a personal email kind of yeah. thing, trying to capture start. some of that audience. Yeah, yeah. I haven't sent an email out of that three years now. <laughs> I haven't seen one in forever. No, I got busy, had kids. <laughs> and I just wanted to shut up because I felt like if I opened my mouth, I'd reveal like that I was actually like just winging it. And I don't think a lot of people want to hear that. They don't want to hear that you're just winging it. They want expect you to like know what you're talking about and be an authority figure and all this other stuff. I just started doubting myself a lot. And like, it did a number on me. That was unworthy of getting all this attention. Okay. So you had an existential moment in your business. You had a tough couple of years. Yeah. You know? And 
I didn't even want to tell the story in the pod, but we were hanging out the other day and you talked me through how I think you created for yourself by pushing down supply chains, by figuring out how different products are manufactured, by figuring out new revenue models, that you've now exposed yourself to an opportunity that I walked away like buzzing. Oh my God, like Alan's business could become a completely, like you, you could cross the chasm. This could be a whole nother life-changing opportunity for you. And you expose yourself to that by doubt, you know, and by tinkering and pushing and being curious, not just saying like, I'm Alan Walton, I have all the answers. And that's, I think what annoys me so much about the grifters is that part of the way they acquire market share is they come with confidence. And I'm okay with coming with confidence every now and then. But I do think that having a more balanced message is the one that happens internally, which is that it's so much of about running a company is about doubting yourself, about your actions, about what you're doing. And so mm-hmm. I think that's a perfectly natural part of entrepreneurship. Easier to start a business in 2022 than 2012 or harder? I think it's way easier to start for sure. But a lot of people are starting now, right? So the barriers to entry were way higher 10 years ago, especially with e-commerce. It's just unreal. Shopify has made that so simple. It's definitely easier, but more people are doing it than ever. And so you really need to find a way to stand out and set yourself apart from all the other people that are out there. Any other parting shots? Taking those opportunities to get out of states. Like that was something that I didn't really do. I didn't find out about you guys until like 2015 or whatever. But you've reduced so much overhead by living abroad. A lot of people have a significant amount of debts. A lot of people are tied down to like their hometowns. They don't realize that they can leave. I think that if you're going to start a business, even if you don't want to start a business and you just want to be like a remote employee, I think there's a this next generation has a lot to gain by just stepping outside of the U.S. and seeing how things work in another country and finding out there's so many opportunities online. They can get their savings and retirement funds or pay off their college debt. There's just so much opportunity there. And I don't see anyone like beating that drum, really, like Tim did. Yeah, it's just something I think about a lot. I think there are a lot of people out there who need to get out there, get moving. Alan Walton, you're a great follow on Twitter. It's at Alan Third. Thank you. We'll see you on stage in Playa del Carmen in just a few short weeks. We look forward to it. Thanks for coming by the podcast, man. Thanks for having me on. Big shout out to Alan Walton. Amazing to catch up with him as always. If you want to listen to our previous conversation and how he got the idea for Spy Guy while he was living in his parents' basement, obsessed with gaming. It's an incredible episode. One of my favorites of all time. We'll put that in the show notes. And if you have business ideas that you'd like to donate, we'd love to hear from you. Our producer's email is jane at tropicalmba.com. That's it for this week. We'll be back next Thursday morning as always. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.